When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, we're rolling along. You just heard the breaking news from Christine Lisi that Kareem Hunt is signing with the Browns. As I was just sort of looking that over, um, it's the first time I... It just happened, actually. I think Shefty first posted it eight minutes ago. So that is new news. The Browns, who lose Nick Chubb, wind up bringing in Kareem Hunt. It was the obvious move. He obviously has been there for years. None of that is going to make any difference, and I'm not telling anyone in Cleveland anything they don't know if the quarterback doesn't play a lot better. Like, Deshaun Watson just has not looked right. The whole country got to see it Monday night. And if he doesn't play a whole lot better, it ain't going to make any difference, whether it's Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt or Jerome Ford or Gerald Ford or any other Ford back there. They, they, they need the quarterback to play better. And I, I am floored at how bad it has looked. I was one who was sure that the last six games of last year were a total aberration, that he had been gone so long, that he didn't really know the teammates, that you know they had started their season without him and everything else. I, I thought that was just right-offable. And I, but after a full off season in the offense, learning the teammates, everything else, I thought he would pick up flying this year. And so I'm not giving up, but boy, that has been very disappointing for the Browns and their fans so far. Do you think that... Deshaun Watson is the most untradeable asset in the NFL? Like, if you were to line up every single player, do you think he'd be the least desirable to acquire? Like, if they made him available, for example, could they get anything? Could they give him away? Talking about a top five quarterback three mean, years ago. I mean, he'd have to pick up the contract. Everything. Right, for the contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, if, yeah. If it wasn't for the contract, that would be different. But if you're factoring that's in the I contract, mean. The then asset. yes. You know, the asset. Yeah, the asset taken in its totality. I think that's right. I mean, he makes Ben Simmons look like a desirable asset. He, <laughs> Deshaun Watson is, is radioactive. Like in that, like, and he is going to be their quarterback based on the contract this year and next year and probably the year after. So they don't have any outs. They don't have op- opportunities to improve otherwise. It's, it's really dire there. That defense looks great. It's really a shame for those Browns fans. What did you say, Baba? Oh, I just said the only other one would be Russ. But I think he doesn't obviously have as much attached to him. Yeah, uh, th- but the contract is just as bad. Is it? Where, where, it where's the money? What, what is the remaining the, money on those two deals? The Russ contract is not as bad. Like as you bad can, as Deshaun. It's easier to get out of and sooner than Deshaun Watson's contract. Yeah, Deshaun yeah. Watson's contract is an albatross. It's a similar – I understand what your point. He's, it's another good example. Um, look, I mean, that's why all these people who want their teams to go out and sign a quarterback and do – I mean, it's risky. It's risky business. And, and we get judged in, in our job uh, very differently than the people who make the decisions in the first place. I was just saying in a conversation uh, in New York about the Yankees that Brian Cashman is now getting brutalized because he spent all this money and has nothing to show for it. The same people. And I'm not defending him. That's his job. His, he's based on, his job is judged on the results. But the reality is. If Aaron Judge had signed with the San Francisco Giants when it looked like he was on the verge of doing that, every Yankee fan would have lost their mind. That's right, too. How did you not sign him for 300 and what, what did he wind up getting? 60, 360. 60 million dollars. Mm-hmm. So, again, they're not judged by how their moves look in the moment. 
they're judged by how they work out on the field. That's why their jobs are a lot harder than our jobs. The, the problem with Watson or the, the, the quandary with Watson is we assumed he would be Deshaun Watson. Like the, the fact that they gave him 230 guaranteed, the fact that they rewrote the contract record book for him was at least in some part built into the fact that we're getting a top five quarterback in his prime. Like not only are you paying him an arm and a leg, he's not even good. Like he's not even a replacement level quarterback and hasn't been for the equivalent to half of a season. That's what makes this so different. Like not only did they have, did they forgive all that stuff to give him the contract, but he stinks. He just absolutely stinks. Yeah. It, it, it's a, that is a mess for a team that has had their share of messes over the last several generations. It's Greeny coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. Here's, here's a little something I wanted to do. Greeny's Takes. So we do a feature on Get Up Every Day called Panic or Patience. It's not exactly reinventing the wheel on television. But by now, you've probably seen the statistics on NFL teams that start their seasons 0-2. Less than 10% of the time, those teams wind up making it to the playoffs. So let's do a panic versus patience on the teams that are 0-2 right now and ask the question, which of these teams should panic and which ones you would be patient with if you were a fan? I'll say the team and we'll go around the horn. The most obvious one is the Bengals, who are a team that enter a season with Super Bowl expectations. We've seen what's going on with Burrow. Uh, Hembo, right now, if you are a Bengals fan, panic or patience? Patience. My quarterback is too good and it's too early to panic. Bubba, panic or patience? Uh, panic in the sense that the AFC is too tough. Mm. Cam, panic or patience? I was going to say patience in the sense that the AFC isn't as good as we thought. <laughs> and, and certainly the AFC North may not be. I'm going to go panic, but for the following reason. I think that kid's hurt, and I think he's going to be hurt all year. I think that they rolled the dice and lost in a huge way in the way they handled this Burrow injury. Another one where I'm not critical like, you do things because you think that they're, they're the best plan, and I fully understand why, but then you get judged based on the result. They rushed Joe Burrow back. They got him on the field instead of playing the super cautious route with him, and the worst of all possible circumstances came together. They lost their first two games, which were in the division anyway, and he tweaked the – you can clearly see he hurt himself – it is very iffy if he's going to play on Monday night in what is a tough game against Seattle. And every football player I have talked to this week has said that injury is now going to bother him all year long. So for that reason, I would go panic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the Rams. And the line open. Oh, sorry, they play the Rams. It's the line open. Who plays Seattle? Why do I have that backwards? Who, someone is playing. Uh, it's Carolina. Uh, okay. And those games are both Monday night. Is that why I'm thinking that way? No. Um, okay. Well, I'm just wrong about everything I said, but I'm right about him being hurt. Oh, that's right. And he's got to face Aaron Donald this week. That was the point that I was so making. I don't, I don't think he's playing. Like, if, if, if Vegas thought he even had a chance to play, there's just no way the Bengals would only be a two-point favorite, no matter how injured Joe Burrow might be. Like, that's a very – that's a smelly line. Like, if you think Joe Burrow is going to play, you should hop all over that. But the line indicates to me that he's not going to. All right, let's go to the Patriots – they're 0-2. They've been right there in both of their games against teams we think are really good, the Eagles and the Dolphins, but they've lost them both. Their offense has looked unspectacular, as we expect. Their defense is, has held up. They made two really good offenses look less explosive than they generally are. They're going up against the Jets this weekend. 
I feel like I would ask that first question about the Jets, but would you go panic or patience on New England? I would go panic on New England. They had the least explosive offense in the NFL through two weeks, and in that conference, I don't think that you can make the playoffs on the back of your defense. Bubba, panic or patience? I'm going patience. I think Bill O'Brien's going to figure it out with Mac Jones. Uh, and Cam? I think patience because this is kind of what they expected. This isn't like a, a surprise like it is for the Bengals. So I think they're probably where they thought they'd be, and they were close in both games, so not bad. Me too. I would actually go patience. I think um, their offense looks about as good as you could expect it to look considering the players they have. I don't know how they thought they were going to be a bombs-away kind of offense if they didn't go out there and sign a bombs-away player. It's one of the reasons I thought that they should have signed DeAndre Hopkins, and I think the whole world thought they were going to sign DeAndre Hopkins. They might look different right now if they had DeAndre Hopkins. Let me do one more for you. Chargers, panic or patience? Patience. Their quarterback is too good. The offense is too good. I actually do like what Kellen Moore has done so far. I don't think their defense is good enough to carry them, certainly, or at least not deep into the playoffs, but that's, a, that's still a fringe playoff team because of the firepower of the offense. Bubba? Uh, I'm going panic, and I think it's, it's mainly because of Staley and, uh, and Kellen Moore. I'm- They're a badly coached team. That's a badly coached football team. Cam, panic or patience? Yeah, I'm going panic. I, I just don't buy into them. Uh, me too. And, and you know what, Marcus, for all of the Kellen Moore praise, and, and he has a very good reputation as an offensive coordinator, Marcus Spears made an unbelievably good point on our show today. And this, this is where I'm so happy to have a show like Get Up where we can teach a little bit on TV. So last year, Dallas's offense was super, the numbers suggested it was super explosive. They scored a ton of points. They racked up a ton of yards. And people would defend the offensive coordinator by saying, look at all the points they score. And Marcus said, when you see an NBA game that turns into a blowout at the end and a guy winds up going to the free throw line 10 times and all of a sudden he scored 34 points, you say, oh, what a night he had. But the reality is a lot of those points are completely empty. And that's what the Cowboys did. He made the point that Kellen Moore's offense was not an offense that played complementary football to their defense. And he gave us a great example. Great job by our Get Up crew to have all this video ready. Chargers went to overtime this past Sunday against the Titans. That's a game they probably should win. Whatever. They go to overtime. They get the ball first, they being the Chargers. What did Kellen Moore call? One first down. Deep pass, second down, deep pass, third down, deep pass, three long passes in overtime, no yards, punt, Titans go down the field, kick a field goal, game over. That's not good football. That's not smart, complimentary football. I thought that that was the point Marcus was making about his time in Dallas, and I thought it was well made. Can I push back? Please. Am I allowed to push back? Why not? So, Kellen, it was a point well made for sure. But if Justin Herbert's your quarterback, like, that's not a bad decision ever. Like, Justin Herbert chucking the football down the field is a good thing, and they should be doing more of it. And it's not that Kellen Moore, his offense had empty calories just, like, in, in certain spurts. Or, like, he was the offensive coordinator for four years. Four years, during which time only the Chiefs scored more points. I'm fine using anecdotes to make a point. But body of work matters way more when you're evaluating somebody. Like, maybe Kellen Moore had a bad day on Sunday. They're going to score a lot of points this season, and he's, they're not going to be the reason they How lose How many playoff games did they win yeah. during those four I, years? I think that's the point. They would constantly score points, but they weren't managing the game correctly. I, I, I mean, I watch it all the time where I, I would get frustrated all the time because he would 
so many times he would come up with super creative plays that I thought like, oh my god, that's a that's a really cool play and it would work. But then when it would come down to it, they would they would it would lose or and yeah, they would score forty points. They would lose. Like I I think that would be his problem. They would score a lot of points. But it would come down to it. They were just not managing the game well. And yes, he would he would call very creative plays and very different plays that other teams aren't doing. But when it comes down to it, right now, Mike McCarthy is managing the game start to finish way different, which, and I heard Jimmy Johnson said this the other day somewhere else, where Mike McCarthy's goal right now is to manage the game start to finish. Kellen Moore's goal was to just score points, score points, score points. And that, and you got you to gotta manage the game. I mean, with all due respect with, to you and Marcus and other people whose opinions I value. The objective of the offensive coordinator is to score as many points as possible. No, it's not. Yes, it is. The objective of the offensive coordinator is to contribute to his team winning the game. Right, and the best way that you can do that is by maximizing your score. That's the best way to do it. No, no, it's not. I'm going to stop you right there. Bill Belichick became one of the greatest coaches of all time in the early stages of Tom Brady's career, and he kept beating, beating Peyton Manning by recognizing that his best chance of doing that was keeping Peyton Manning off the field and frustrated. So they they played, they redefined complementary football. He would much rather have made first downs, first down, chip away, don't take any risks, don't under no circumstances give the ball away, and, and maximize your time on the field, minimize the opportunities that Peyton Manning has to kill you. That's a coach's job, and all coaches should be contributing to that. If you want, if you're an offensive coordinator and your goal is to become a head coach, then put all the points on the board you can and score and score and, and show those numbers to some owner who doesn't know any better. But if your goal is to win, then you have to do whatever is in the best interest of the team. And sometimes that's taking the letting go of the reins. Yeah, I understand the argument. I understand the notion of complimentary football. I understand the Peyton Manning example. That's 15 years ago, and it's, and it's one particular specific example. It's definitely best if you're a football team that can win games multiple ways. But the reason the Cowboys lost some of those games is because their defense failed them. If you're scoring 30 points a game, which they did, it's not on you. But wait a minute. Hold on a minute. They didn't score 30 points in those playoff games. So now you're, now you're moving the goalpost, though. So now I'm talking about the playoffs. I'm talking about the most important games. What, 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 how, what scores did they lose these playoff games? They scored like 13 points. 19-12 and 23-17. Okay. They, they, didn't all, score, they didn't score 20 points in either of those games. So we're putting... So we're putting the blame now on Kellen Moore rather than Dak Prescott's interceptions, right? We're also moving the goalpost from a four-year body of work to a couple specific games. So once you're in the playoffs, once you've achieved great things, of course your offense is not going to function at as high a level. Not everyone is Kansas City. Not everyone has Patrick Mahomes. The idea that an offensive coordinator should score fewer points to help some subjective, arbitrary, greater uh, good or higher calling is just not a thing I can get behind. Okay, I understand what you're saying, and I also understand that you're wrong. Coming up next, I had a very embarrassing thing happen to me. But first, it's time for Sneaky Hemba. This is a new feature on our show. You've seen him do it on Get Up. We're going to do a trivia question every day here on the radio. Sneaky Hembo, go. So this is a huge weekend in college football, especially for Nick Saban in Alabama. They play Ole Miss. That raises this question. So he has produced 44 first-round picks. At Alabama. He's been there since the 2008 draft. The next most for any coach is 20. And that's my question. Over the last 15 years, over the last 15 years, what coach has produced the second most first round picks behind only Nick Saban? It's a good question. We'll all take our shot at it next. No Googling ESPN radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around 
different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greenie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greenie, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Greeny, the podcast. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Hembo is back. All right, sneaky Hembo. We do it every day on Get Up, where he puts together a trivia question for one of the members of my panel. And now, as of yesterday, we are doing it here on this show as well. So the way this works is Hembo will ask us a question. I'll take a guess. Bubba will take a guess. Cam will take a guess. And we will keep track of the standings. Yesterday, none of us got it right. We all went 0-1. We actually all had different answers, and we all went 0-1. So, ask your question again. So, since 2008, which is Nick Saban's first NFL draft at Alabama, he has produced 44 first-round picks. An astronomical number. The coach with the second most has 20. My question for you is, who is that coach? Which coach has produced the most, second-most, first-round picks over that period of time, which is essentially 15 years, right? 08 till now. Mm-hmm. So there you go. All right, Bubba, who's your guess? Uh, I'm going Urban Meyer. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Cam, that's, that's, I think that's a very good guess. Cam? Meyer is mine as well. Okay, so I'm, I'm between two people. I can't make up my own mind, and I, I, don't, I don't feel like for the integrity of the game that I should look the answer up. Uh, look up this answer. What year did he leave Florida? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to guess, starting in 08, would that include the Florida years or not? Because he had a bunch of first-round picks at Florida, and he had a bunch more at his, Ohio State. His Florida tenure was 2005 through 10. So that would include three seasons three at drafts. Florida? That's right. I, I, to me, it comes down to two people, because it's not going to be Kirby Smart, I, I don't mean, think. That, this sounds like a little bit of Googling here. What's, what's going no, on? No, no, I haven't looked at anything. Well, I, you I, just got some years of what, you know, when he was there and what's... Well, no, because 
Okay, fair enough. But my point is, he, he is he is your answer. He just gave you an answer that actually benefits you. If I had said this doesn't count any Florida years, it would have pushed me in the other direction a little bit. I don't think it can be Kirby Smart, and I don't think it can be anyone at LSU because they just keep changing coaches, and those are the two other schools that have had a lot of first-round picks. So I think it's either Urban Meyer or Brian Kelly, um, and my inclination is to go with the guys and say Urban Meyer. So final answer, we all say Urban Meyer. And you're all correct. All right. That's all right. pretty good. That's three dings. I actually didn't want to go Urban Meyer because I thought it might be not sneaky enough for Hembo. Who was close? Here's the list. Urban, uh, Urban Meyer has 20. Dabo Sweeney, not mentioned, 17. Oh, I didn't think of him, yeah. He's next. And then Kirby Smart has 15. So Brian Kelly, not even close. Brian Kelly has 10. Wow. Only 10 after all those years at Notre Dame. you believe that? It's not enough. I mean, what this list demonstrates is that Nick Saban is on another planet. Mm -hmm. I mean, 44 first-round picks over 15 years. But is he still? Are we witnessing right before our eyes a changing of the guard? And, And maybe that should have been more obvious when Kirby Smart beat him in back-to-back years to win back-to-back national championships. But there were kind of excuses and reasons and sort ofs and maybes along the way towards both of those. But right now, Alabama doesn't look any good at all to me. Now, I do not pretend to be the world's biggest college football expert. I've told you many times. I was offered a Heisman vote years ago, and I turned it down because – as you know, when I was an NBA voter these last two seasons, because I was hosting the NBA shows, and I'm going to sneeze for a second here, excuse me, I'm holding it off as best I can. Um, when I was offered an NBA ballot, I felt comfortable doing that because I follow the league that closely, especially the last two seasons when I was hosting NBA Countdown. And as you know, Hembo, I took that very seriously. I, I agonized over those ballots. I I did not feel I would be the right person to vote for college football because I don't sit there all day Saturday and watch every game. I watch the same two or three really big games every weekend that everyone else does. I watch my Northwestern team play, and then I will this weekend I'll watch the Colorado game, and I will watch uh, Ohio State-Notre Dame, and that'll probably be just about it. So I don't think I should be voting on that stuff. But I watched Alabama play Texas, just like everybody else did. And... It was my immediate observation. They don't have a quarterback. So they made the quarterback switch to this week. And the next thing I know, it's 3-3 at the half with South Florida. Who are they playing? Uh, Central Florida. Central Florida. And that's not Nick Saban. That's not your typical Alabama. So in that sport, this is a blip. Like That's not the way I meant to say that. In that sport, this is significant. Like when Dion is doing what he's doing in a time of just total transformation in college football for Saban to have three years now, because they're not winning anything this year. They're going to lose another big, they're going to lose to Mississippi this week. I think you really do find yourself wondering, is this dynasty teetering right now? And I want it made clear. I like Saban a lot. I'm a fan. I'm an unabashed fan of his I like the way he goes about his business. I like him as a person. I have enjoyed my many conversations with him. So I root for him. When they play Georgia, I root for him. When they play this weekend, I'll root for him. When they played Clemson, I rooted for him. When they were playing Texas, I was rooting for him. But you got to call him like you see him. His team just doesn't look that good. And when you consider he's had 48 or whatever you said it was first-round picks, 
That's a big statement to make. So I do think that right now that dynasty, one of the great, if not the greatest in the history of that sport, is wobbly to say the least. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they reached the national championship nine times in 13 years. Six of those they won. But I don't really think that this is a, as much a reflection on him and them as it is sort of an inevitable endpoint for where we are in college football right now. Like, no one will ever have a dynasty ever again in college football. We are on the tail end of the last one that we will ever see because of name, image, and likeness and because of the transfer portal. Over a 13-year period, the reason Bama could effectively always be the best team is because of their ability to retain talent because their fifth-best wide receiver wanted to wait to be an upperclassman to play for Alabama rather than transfer. That person doesn't have to do that anymore. So you don't have the depth now that you did 10 years ago. And thus, what we're going to have now is a college football that has a lot more of an NFL feel, where the talent is strewn out across the country, where we're going to see a little bit more parity. As we expand the playoffs, we're going to see new teams and new players and new coaches. That's just an inevitable byproduct of where we are. And thus, I think we've probably seen the last great dynasty in the history of college football. It's a really interesting perspective. And frankly, I think it's great for the sport. Because it means you can't sit there in August and say, well, look, it's going to be Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and someone, right? <laughs> like, that, that, that's, that's basically what the sport had become. So, to me, I think it's great. And then, of course, what they're doing in Colorado becomes a separate sort of byproduct of that. And so, as I watch college football now, as the one who was privileged to be the host of the NFL draft for us at ESPN for the last three years and running – I also am looking at which of these guys I'm going to be talking about when we get to late April next year and we are all in Detroit. And that brings us to today's edition of Draft Prep. So you're ready for the draft. Let's get started. Greenies Draft Prep. You're paying attention to Mr. Sanders in Colorado. And in this case, I don't mean Dion. I mean Shador. I mean his son, Shador Sanders, the quarterback who was on absolutely nobody's mind before the season began and now is on everybody's mind. And so the big question to Mel Kuyper is, is Shador Sanders going to be a high first round pick in next year's draft? And on Darian Mel on ESPN Radio, he said yes. Shador Sanders, I have him right now as the fifth best overall draft eligible player for the 2024 draft. And that's not hype. It's not putting him up there because I'm caught in the moment. He is a heck of a quarterback. Catchable ball. Roll right. Roll left. Accurate strikes. Seeing the field. Being able to use his legs for an 8 to 10 yard run to keep the chains moving or get it in the end zone. The competitiveness. He's not one of those guys that's super excitable, but he plays with a chip. He's really cool. To me, he's Joe Burrow. To me, he's Joe Burrow, Mm. who was the first pick in the NFL draft and has become a true NFL superstar. That's what Mel said. And in case you're interested in this, it just occurred to me that I was texting the night that that they were uh, that that he had that huge breakout kind of a night. I was texting with Dan Orlovsky and Booger because they were doing the. they were doing the studio for, and that was so long ago now that I'm not going to find these texts. But I was asking those guys, is he a pro? Is that kid a pro? And how good a pro? And they were going, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Orlovsky tweeted I, that I can't night find the tweet now. That, yeah. um, that he was a top 12 pick. He's, he's willing to say so after three games. I have been incredibly impressed with Shador Sanders. And Mel's 100% right. He is playing behind a dreadful offensive line and delivering ridiculous throws 
And it's all the passing game. Like, they don't run the ball that well at all. He's carrying that offense. It's one of the most explosive in the country. He's the second leading passer in America. That guy is way better than I thought. And it just looks right. Like, you can just tell he has answers for whatever the defense throws at him, despite the fact that he's being pressured nonstop, effectively. And he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the country. If you're completing 78% of your passes, especially given the fact that they throw the ball downfield a lot, we're absolutely talking about a top 10 pick in the NFL. And if Mel already has him in his top five like this hype machine is going to go out of control this week he's got Oregon the next week he's got USC against Caleb Williams they're going to be the two highest rated games Colorado has ever played on television no no I love it and so we'll see what winds up happening there but I I always watch those things in the Colorado piece of this look it's become an incredible story we talked about it at length yesterday I for one have enjoyed it so we are all good greeting with you here on ESPN radio a lot more that we can get into here I I need there's a part of me that kind of needs to tell you I have to acknowledge something I did. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. I had a very, very embarrassing faux pas this morning. Bubba, I think you of all people will appreciate this. All right. You know how careful I am about texting, right? Which is to say, I still text with appropriate capitalization, with appropriate punctuation. Same. I, I, I believe in that. I believe we are still writing words in the English language, and we should not just throw that to the wind when we are um, when we are communicating via what I think is now the most popular form of communication on planet Earth. If we're just going to get rid of punctuation, for example, in texting, then punctuation is going to go the way of cursive. I don't know if you were taught cursive when you were in high school or, or, or in grade school. Did you learn to write in cursive? I did. I did too. And my kids were taught cursive and I was glad they did. And no one writes in cursive anymore. And I would hate for someone to say, you know, remember when they used to teach punctuation in school? We don't really use that anymore. No one actually uses commas or periods or question marks. We just live with the total ambiguity of the things that we are writing and what they may mean. So I am very careful about this stuff. But anyway, this morning, I was supposed to play golf with a buddy of mine today, Jared Efron. I was supposed to meet him after we played. And something came up. Long story, doesn't matter what it is. I'm not going to be able to make it. No relation to Zach? He is not related to Zach. No, no relation to Zach. But he may be listening right now on his way to the golf course. I hope he's still playing. So, Jared, if you're listening, you know what I'm about to say. So I text him this morning, well, I guess I'll just read it to you. I, I text emergency in big capital letters. Something came up. I, I apologize. I can't make it today. I really hope you can find someone else to play. You know, my bad. Let's do it next week. So now a little time goes by because I, I texted him very early this morning. I sent that text at 6.13 a.m. So he's not awake. He texts me back at 7.59, right? He texts me back. Okay, buddy, understand. All right. So I want to write him back. That's at 7.59. What happens at 8 o'clock? We start get up. I start my TV show. So I see that while we're all sitting here. I'm sitting in the middle of the desk. I've got Kimberly Martin to my left and Marcus Spears to her left. And I've got Dominique Foxworth to my right and Jeff Saturday to his right. And I... And I've got the director in my ear telling me 30 seconds and we're coming back and I'm getting ready to do my big tease. Good morning. It's time to get up with all that stuff that I do. And I wanted to respond to him. So I just very quickly wrote back, sorry, my man. That's which is how, you know, I like to text. 
and I hit send before realizing that I had, instead of typing in an M and an A, I had typed in an L and an A, and I hit send. And so it auto-corrected to, sorry, my lamb, L-A-M-B, which is sort of a, kind of a, I think, like a term you might use for like your sweetheart or something like that. Oh, my lamb. Like it's sort of old English, like no, no one I think speaks that way anymore. But the point of it is, <laughs> my lamb. I wrote, sorry, my lamb. And I hit send before I realized I had done it. Oh, no. So I, I texted back my golf buddy, Jared, sorry, my lamb. <laughs> and I haven't heard back. <laughs> so, and that was, you know, three hours and 36 minutes ago. So I fear that he may have been very, un- oh, he just wrote, I'm listening. So I fear he may have been, so Jared, you may be listening. You didn't respond. I mean, you didn't acknowledge the fact that I wrote, sorry, my lamb in my text to you today. That's a very uncomfortable thing for me to have now said to, you know, a guy that I know well, but not that well. I mean, it's not like we're not like, you know, childhood friends. We're golf buddies, and, and so I wrote, sorry, my lamb. Well, we decided this week on the show that he doesn't have to text you back until next Tuesday. Yeah. Because apparently America's fine with Bubba doing that six days later. Yeah. So this is, these are the rules of the road here. That's what I'm saying. But so oh, yeah. now I'm, I'm, I'm being made very uncomfortable. Bubba, what is the etiquette on having accidentally texted someone, sorry, my lamb? Well... I think he's your lamb going forward. <laughs> That's pretty much That's where it. we're at. Jared, he's listening. Jared, from now on, you just have to be my lamb. That's I'm going to get at. him a T-shirt that says, Greenie's lamb. So this is, <laughs> Apple should be better. Like, if we're going to do the autocorrect thing, like, who in the world has ever said that? Like, it's not a common expression. Like, if, if you said L-A-N or L-A-M, it should know that man is likelier than lamb. Yeah. Should it not? I don't know exactly what I typed, but I know that it came out lamb. And by the time I realized it, it had sent. And I know that you can pull a text back now, but I couldn't because I'm in my ear hearing three, two, one, go. And I'm saying, good morning. It's time to get up with the Cowboys. And so I have to live with the fact that I've just texted Jared, sorry, my lamb. So the autocorrect only gets the letter A correct. They added a letter and it's the only letter that's right. M-A-N-L-A-M-B? It's a brutal miss. Well, I, think I don't know what I typed man. is the point. Obviously, I didn't purposely type the word lamb. No, but you attempted to type man. Yes. And so you weren't close, and they weren't close. Well, I don't know how close they were. The point is, I might have typed in L-A-M. I don't know. I mean, you're typing fast. It was a stupid thing for me to do. I should have waited till the first commercial break, but I just wanted to get it done lest I should forget. So I just did it as fast as I could. And now I'm calling my buddy mm. my lamb. Yeah, I'm not sure you're going to ever play in that twosome again. And so now he's writing back. He's, he's debating that we're not close friends. And he says he was trying to think of a good joke back like he was going to write, it's okay, my goat. <laughs> which was going to be like he thought would be kind of funny. But that's my point. I now put him in a position where he's got to try and think of something funny to write back. And I'm going to I'm going to be I'm going to judge whether it was funny or not. And also your friendship. Right. So now you obviously have a different opinion than he does about your friendship because you said you're not that close. He obviously disagrees with that. So now you've made this twice as bad. Yeah, well, may- maybe he saw himself as your lamb. And now that you're saying that he's the animal, that he's just your man. Yeah. You know, then he doesn't feel as close to you as he used to. So, so we have to define like what animal would best symbolize our relationship. I mean, he needs to start calling you his shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> does he not? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Coming up next, uh, we're going to win you some money. we got updated win totals, and we'll do in case you missed it right after this on ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Just to make sure everything is sort of bundled up here, I have indeed texted back and forth now with my lamb, Jared, and we're all good. He is going to play golf today. I will miss that, unfortunately, uh, and we'll get together and play again soon. Um, but he is from now and forever forward going to have to be my lamb, and that's just the way it's going to be. He's loving this, by the way. He's having the time of his life. Listening to us talk about him and, and while he's in his car on his way to Bayonne Golf Club. Yeah, so the hashtag here, are we also a part of your flock? Is this just a you and Jared thing? Well, you guys are the hashtag crew, so should, you, should we make it like hashtag lamb? Like, I don't know, this seems like a weird animal. It, 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 for those of you just joining us and you're wondering what the hell are these guys talking about, I tried to send someone a text and it got auto-corrected, so instead of saying, sorry, my man, I wrote, sorry, my lamb. And, uh, you know, this dude is understandably <laughs> taken aback by it. Um, and so there you have it. Anyway, okay, but, but let's not uh, digress because there's a few other things I want to get to. We have some very good in case you missed it today. But I want to do a KOD. Hashtag KOD. The kiss of death. Because I'm on the way back. I, I, Monday night, I went 1-0-1, which is as good as you could possibly go on the two games. I feel like I'm hot right now. And you told me you have some updated win totals. Let's dive into those. I do. The Cowboys opened at 10. They're 10 now as, the, as they're over-under on wins for the season. Yes, entering the season. Got to go way over. Now it's 11 and a half. What are you playing? See, it's always hard with football because of the possibility of injury. I mean, if Micah Parsons gets hurt, then that changes everything. He's the best player in the league. Um, but I would be inclined to bet over. So they're going to go better. Ten, ten and five or better the rest of the way. Ten and five the rest of the way? 
easy. Are you playing so, the over? So, I, I'm, so, so you're saying that the number, wait, say it again. It's 11 and a half. 11 and a half is the updated number. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Sorry. I was thinking this ridiculous it shows you how ingrained these things get. I was thinking of 16 games, which is what just threw me there for a minute. <laughs> so it's 17 games. Yeah. Easy. Absolutely. I'll go over. The Jets open at nine and a half. Oh no. They're now seven and a half. What are you playing? I would never bet against my team. In the same way that I do not, you know, I play DraftKings every week. I never pick a player on the opposing team. I would never draft a Patriot, a Dolphin, or a Bill on my fantasy team. It doesn't matter because I don't want to root against myself. I don't care enough about what I might win in order to take that. So I would never bet it. Did you say it's seven and a half? I did. I still think that we could do that. I still think the Jets could win eight or nine games. Look, they won seven games last year with unimaginably bad quarterback play and less talent than this. They have more talent now than they had a year ago. They banked an early win against Buffalo. I, I think that the, I would still go over. I would go over on seven and a half. All right, the Giants opened at seven and a half. They're now down to six and a half. What are you playing? Well, you're the one who told me that our FPI thinks that they're going to lose like every game they play the rest of the year, right? Yes. We view them as uh, the team likeliest to have the second worst record in the NFL, in part because we don't like them as a team, in part because their schedule is very challenging. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think they're nearly that bad, but I do buy the schedule piece and let's see how long Saquon is going to be out. By the way, how many points? I'm just, I know I'm changing the question. I'll I'll go under, but but I'm going to sit on this one a minute. Bubba, how many points would I have to give you? For you to take the Giants tomorrow night in San Francisco off the huge comeback win against Arizona, staying out west, playing the extraordinarily tough, physical, and good 49ers Thursday without Saquon Barkley. Don't pay any attention to the, oh, well, they haven't ruled him out. There's no way in hell Saquon Barkley is playing in that game. How many points would I have to give you for you to take the Giants tomorrow night, Bubba? 14 and a half. Yeah, that's the same number we came up with. Hembo and I were talking about that cam. If I offered you 14, if I offered you 13 and a half points, I'll take the 49ers. I'll give you 13 and a half points Thursday night. Would you take the Giants? Uh, yeah. You would think, take 13 and a half? Yeah. I think it'll be a little closer than we think. Maybe like 10, 11 point game, something like, like that. Like a backdoor cover kind of situation. Right. Sure, that, yeah. That's what you're guarding against. The, the number is 10 right now, and that's what you're worried about. You're, you're worried that Brian Dable will kick a meaningless field goal with four <laughs> seconds left the way Sean McVay did? That was like the worst beat of all time. I mean, everyone in America thought of Scott Van Pelt when, when that field goal went through the uprights, and so there you have it. Okay, let's finish it up with a really good edition of this. In case you missed it. All right, every day uh, these guys find some of the most interesting things that get said either here on ESPN Radio in the morning on the show Unsportsmanlike or on our TV show Get Up. Both the cuts we have today are from Get Up. Let's start with Dominique Foxworth. I asked him, will the Bears regret trading away the number one pick a year ago? And he said... Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think they traded away the pick to get DJ Moore because their expectation was DJ Moore was going to be Stephon Diggs to him, the way that Stephon Diggs allowed Josh Allen to unlock and become something different. That hasn't happened. I wouldn't say it's DJ Moore's fault. I wouldn't even say that it's completely Justin Fields' fault. But I do think that getting rid of that pick and not getting the result that they hoped, they could have done something different. They could have gotten a different quarterback. They could have gotten Jalen Carter. So there's a lot of different ways they could have gone. They could have taken Jalen Carter, whom they trade, in essence traded the pick two or four, or however the math of that works out. The Eagles wound up getting him with that pick. Um, and uh, they could have taken Bryce Young. Now, I'm not a huge believer in Bryce Young. 
if you gave me the option of Justin Fields or Bryce Young right this minute, I guess I would take Bryce Young, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. I also think next year is going to be loaded with quarterbacks. Drake May, Shador Sanders, Caleb Williams. These guys are all going to be in the draft. The Bears will have two first-round picks. If this thing really goes south, they'll get a quarterback next year. Yeah, I disagree with Dominique because of what you said. What the Bears have done here is effectively hedge because they didn't view Bryce Young as being considerably better or more likely to succeed than Justin Fields. So what Justin Fields is now doing is sort of playing his way out of this while you're losing, thus you're going to obtain a high draft pick in a much more quarterback-rich draft. That's the genius of this. Like, I actually think what's happening to the Bears right now, if you're a fan of theirs, is a much better case scenario than Justin Fields kind of meandering through the season average. Like, what you wanted this year is an answer. Yes, no. Am I picking up the fifth-year option or not? You've gotten that answer. You're absolutely not going to do that if he continues to trend like this. You're going to have five quarterbacks go in the first round next year. Probably two or three of them are better prospects than Bryce Young, and you're probably going to get one of those guys. And Justin Fields has uh, sort of played his way out of being your franchise quarterback. All right, and then one more, and I was wrong. The other one is from uh, Chris Canty on Unsportsmanlike. Mornings here on ESPN Radio talking about if the Patriots are really bad, what they might do. I don't understand why we give people lifetime achievement awards. It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, and if the program is regressing, if it's not continuing to have sustained excellence, then why would you not change the voice? I'm not saying that you have to fire Belichick, but why can't you put him in the front office as a consultant, have him continue in his role as the general manager if you want to, and have a new voice on the sideline? It's time. That's interesting to me. To me, it feels like if you were going to take one of those two responsibilities away from him, you'd go the other way. Like, are the questions about Bill Belichick, his coaching, or are they about the acquisition of players that, for all intents and purposes, he is in total control of? I think Bill Belichick is coming pretty close to maximizing the bad rosters that he is producing. That's my my opinion. Me too. I also think he's very clearly probably best comped to Greg Popovich. You just don't fire those people. Like, you just let them coach as long as they want. I understand Canty's point, but certain people are just exceptions to the rule. Right. You didn't fire Don Shul. I mean, look, when they remember what happened when they fired Tom Landry in Dallas, Jerry Jones. They fired Tom Landry, and, and people lost their minds because Landry deserved that kind of lifetime treatment. Now, the v- reverse argument to that is he hired Jimmy Johnson, and they won three Super Bowls with Jimmy's teams. Jimmy won two of them, and Switzer won the third one. So... Maybe moving on actually is the right thing to do, even if it feels like the wrong thing to do. Yeah, but any other coach is going to win four or five games with this team, and Bill's probably going to get six or seven wins out of this team. Right, we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. I'm not sure how much better that is. Anyway, today we've coined a new phrase. You are all officially my lambs, and we will be back in better than ever to continue to misimplement that and other terms tomorrow. Have a wonderful day. I am Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.